It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I'm Cameron Tuck Dubai. I'm dialing in from Brookline, Massachusetts. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg, who I believe is dialing in from Brooklyn, New York. That's and correct. I'm also joined by Dr. Justin Quinn, who's dialing in from Mexico City, Mexico. We're recording moments after Boston it, uh, has been bounced in the in-season tournament, which we will talk about in the lab portion of the program. But to start the episode, we're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about the Celtics schedule. We're going to talk about some early trade rumors, some early trade rumbles, and some early trade ideas that we have. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we're going to talk about the in-season tournament game. So if it is Tuesday morning in your ears, we'll talk about that game shortly enough. If it's Wednesday or Thursday in your ears and you've forgotten about that game, you don't need to listen to the second half of this podcast We'll still get the the click revenue, I think, by then. So we're going to start with the news, start with the trade rumors, start with the big picture, and then later in the program, talk about the in-season tournament. Until we get there, Alex, how are you? All right. Um, You know, I think I'm a little disappointed by the seas right now, but honestly, all things being equal, I've seen more painful losses than this one, so I, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, this is an act like you've been there situation. Dr. Quinn, how are you? Uh, apart from having to watch that lovely court, which I'm sure we will also talk about at least a little bit, uh, I guess pretty solid considering it was a loss. I'm happy. It's the holiday season. I'm, I'm going to get a Christmas tree tomorrow. I'm doing well. Okay, so let's do the news, and then later we'll talk about this game. So if you really want to hear what happened in this game. You'll just have to wait and see. In terms of news, uh, Tatum just won Eastern Conference Player of the Month, which is relevant for two reasons. First of all, it's his third time winning the award, which puts him third in Celtics history behind Paul Pierce, who has done it four times, and Larry Bird, who did it seven times. Off the top of the, my head, I don't know when they started doing monthly awards, so take it with a grain of salt, but good for Tatum. However... We here at the Celtics Lab podcast don't think that Jason Tatum was the Eastern Conference Player of the Month in October, November. Alex, I think you said it first, so you get first bite of this apple. What right. do you think? What do you think happened? So it's so I, I want to clarify here. Um, I posed a question in the chat: Do we think he deserved it? Okay, this? let I me pose necessarily... a question: Do you think he deserved it? <laughs> All right, so the case against Jason Tatum winning this award is that Giannis and Embiid both had statistically better Novembers than Jason Tatum. I think that's a reasonable case, and I think if you're upset about Jason Tatum winning Player of the Month and you think Embiid or Giannis should have won it over him, your argument makes sense to me. I still am not, like, distraught over Jason Tatum winning Player of the Month, and if anything, I I think... (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think I think he has a perfectly reasonable claim to it. I think for starters, 
statistically, while he's not in the same category as Embiid and Giannis were this month, he's pretty close. His stats were pretty damn good, 28-9-4 and four, uh, for the month. And then, you know, defensively, he's been everything you could ask for so far. Um, the Celtics have the best record in the league. So all things being equal, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world if Jason, Tatum's win, Jason Tatum wins player of the month in a fashion that perhaps will uh, garner some flack from the Philly and Milwaukee stands of the world. I think in a vacuum, I probably would have given it to Embiid, but I'm perfectly fine with Jason Tatum winning this award. Dr. Finn, what about you? I actually lean Embiid uh, a little bit more here just because his stats were better. And the only real other difference is uh, one loss. And this early in the season, maybe that, that carries a bit more weight. But yeah, in I, and part of a broader picture, particularly more recently, Jason Tatum has not been playing that great. Like earlier in the month, through the middle of the month, sure. But particularly more recently, not so great. I mean, Embiid's averaging 32 points and 11.3 rebounds. I mean, Embiid is playing like a monster. He's missed some yeah. time, but he's really dang good. Giannis has been playing well, even if the Bucks maybe not so much. I, this has nothing to do with the in-season tournament, but I'm just looking at sorted NBA player stats, and Halliburton's name keeps popping up. We can talk about him later, but, like, that dude is so legit. Um, yeah, Dr. Quinn, you said it, Tatum, just, like, down the stretch in November, didn't play – he didn't play well enough that it didn't even occur to me that he could be nominated for this award, quite frankly. When the awards started um, coming through today, I didn't even look at them because <laughs> uh, I didn't think it was going to be relevant to the Celtics. Um, so I was kind of shocked that he won. My conspiracy theory is that the NBA would like for Jason Tatum to be more firmly in the MVP conversation when, I don't know, it's probably going to be Jokic and Bede and Giannis again. I mean, they're just categorically the three best players in the league, like maybe with a sprinkle of Luka Doncic or Kevin Durant in there but like I don't know I don't think Tatum's really in the picture very much and so maybe the Bothans and Sakakis are cooking something up I don't know but it's Jokic's award until he decides that he doesn't care about it he might he might have already decided that he might still win the thing okay well congrats to Tatum I mean it's not like he he's a dog uh and interestingly just an aside Jalen Brown third in the NBA on fast break points so just file that away for later, I suppose. Okay, so the Celtics are still pretty good. Um, what are they, 15 and 5 now with the loss? I think so, yeah. Um, thank you. They did have one of the toughest strengths of schedule to open the season, and it's going to cool off. In a little bit, they got this West Coast road trip in December that looks pretty gnarly, but starting in January, things will cool off a little bit. But um, they still have a lot of games against teams like the Pistons, teams like the Spurs, they should have a much, much easier second half of the season. We can just do another check-in uh, before we talk about some of the other things in the news. And, and I guess the segue here is, okay, how good are the Celtics and what are their points of need and which will open up a conversation about potential trade targets. So Alex, how good are the Celtics and what are some points of need? Um, the Celtics are very good and they <laughs> they need um, more than anything, they need Kristaps Porzingis to come back to be a true title contender. Um, I don't think that like we're coming off of a, a stretch where they really have not played their best basketball. And I feel like in general, they haven't shown me up to this point that they are like a clear title favorite 
I don't think they should be considered that. I feel like Denver, until uh, otherwise, has to be the favorite. Um, and I think, you know, they strike me as a, a top-tier East team with a reasonable chance as anyone of making a finals run. Um, but without Porzingis for these past few games, the process has looked a little ragged, particularly on offense. Defensively, they are rock solid, and I don't think that's going to be much of a problem for them as long as Derek White, Drew Holiday, Al Horford, all those guys, and frankly, Jalen Brown, who's been playing pretty good defense lately um, with, you know, a particularly notable glaring exception tonight, which we'll get to. Um, but without, uh, with those guys in place, their defense is going to be fine. I think the real loss of Porzingis is that he really, um, he, he kind of gets them into a much better flow offensively than I think, um, than, than they currently have access to without him. And uh, until he's back, they strike me as, a very good playoff team that could make a finals run rather than a team that very clearly should make a finals run. Does that make sense? Yeah. And actually I, I think there's two things that you said that I really want to react to, but Justin, anything Alex missed? Well, it's a little concerning that Jalen still doesn't seem to know where he belongs when he's playing with the second unit, when there isn't Chris Porzingis on the floor. It feels like the second unit needs a little bit more talent consolidation. I liked what we saw against Indiana from uh, Delano Banton to an extent, and even from Luke Cornett, which uh, for someone who's been as critical as I am, I'm really surprised Joe did not play him more considering the disadvantages that we saw him put on Indiana in that game. Without jumping too far into that, the reason I brought that up is just because they do need to do some more work to this bench, whether it's internal development and sucking up a couple more losses because of it. You know, we saw some some more second unit play tonight uh, and it was largely successful. So I, I'm really confused again, why we went, went away from it so much. Uh, but another way that can be accomplished, and we can talk about this more in a moment, uh, is getting different people on the team. Yeah, we will get to that. I mean, there's a couple of things to consider between that. I mean, least of which, I don't know why we don't see more of O'Shea Brissett. Sure. Um, I, I am curious about Banton. I don't think he was as inspiring. In, I mean, only a limited burn here, but um, I don't know. I, I thought Brissett was going to be a big part of what they do, and I, that just hasn't been the case yet. Okay, I want to pause the action here and tell you that you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, and you can take a look at things like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So... Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonuses are issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support play it smart from the start go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 okay back to the action
Uh, where's Lamar Stevens? Does he ever get a chance? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, unless they're explicitly showcasing Pritchard Hauser and Cordant, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure I get it. It could be Marzula just wants to go with guys that he is more familiar with because he's still a little afraid of getting things wrong. But I think if there's one thing that we have seen from Joe Marzula's tenure so far, it's that he really does not like playing non-shooters at any point. And Lamar and O'Shea, if there's one key flaw in their games, it's that neither of them have ever been good shooters. And while the Celtics definitely play some guys who are below average in that regard. Drew Holiday is not like a fantastic shooter by any means. Drew Holiday is, you know, good at a bunch of other stuff and has a bunch of different dimensions to his game. Um, if if the shooting is as bad as it has been for Brissett and uh, Lamar, it's going to be really hard for them to find minutes with Missoula as the coach. I mean, also not for nothing, the Celtics in tonight's game shot, something like 27% from three and it's 17 turnovers. And like, we're going to probably talk tonight for, for upwards of an hour, but it's the same old story. If they shoot the ball poorly and they have a buttload of turnovers, they're going to lose. That's just, first of all, basketball, but second of all, Boston Celtics basketball. Um, Quickly, before we talk about players they can trade, the thing that uh, Porzingis brings to the Celtics that they don't have the discipline to go to if he's not there is the offense gets initiated from inside the three-point line a different way, either because he actually grabs it like a poor man's Jokic or he just like moves everyone else around because he ends up um, in the elbow or the in the corner and without Porzingis tonight we saw the Celtics really attack the rim and they had 56 something points in the paint but a lot of that was in the fast break we didn't see as much Tatum post game which is really really effective and I think we for many years have seen Boston get lazy on offense and the version of getting lazy on offense this season is they have an effective way of getting action inside the three-point line and specifically around the painted area and they'll just decide to not go for it for like six minutes on end and there's no point in having a varied offensive approach if you're just going to like abandon it and in that third quarter when they got waxed what 37 to 23 or whatever they play like dogs and guess what they lost and now they're not going to get to go to vegas and luke cornett has to move out of his house or something okay uh luke cornett i'm sure is financially doing okay um anyways it is that time of year, December 15th is the day on the calendar when a lot of players who were signed in the offseason become trade eligible. So it is open season, so to speak, for trade rumors, good, bad, and strictly preposterous. We have a few that are actually been reported. Dr. Quinn, I'll, I'll go to you first and let you decide which ones are the most believable and uh, well-reported and which ones are Alex just speaking into existence. So Dr. Quinn, let's start with the most accurate reporting we have on so, yeah, trade rumors. there's only one trade rumor out there that has any actual reputable uh connection to it the rest of it has just been informed intelligent speculation sparked by a basketball genius i can't seem to put my finger on uh but besides uh alex's push for andre drummond that seems to be getting some footing elsewhere uh to my my uh happiness <laughs> is some reporting that John Conchar of the Memphis Grizzlies is a player that the Celtics have had an eye on. We've talked, uh, you know, amongst ourselves about what is going on with that. Uh, the the shot, it's a 37% career three-point shot. You can see why they'd be interested in it. But he's been very bad this year. I mean, his, his total shooting percentage is closer to what his three-point career shooting percentage has been. 
But if you believe in that and he can defend, then you can see the value of a guy who's making close to a minimum right now, just a little over a minimum. And I think he's set to earn about $6 million per year for the next three years after the season. So getting a guy on team control who can at least defend and hopefully shoot does make sense, even if it's not super sexy. There isn't an immediate need right now, but if they did trade away some players elsewhere, then it might make sense to bring a guy like him on. I don't mean to be a jerk. I'm done with Pritchard. He can't play. He can't play defense. Uh, not because he's he doesn't he's want six to. Six feet tall. He's, he's six feet tall, and it's the NBA. I mean, I remember the Kemba Walker era. I remember the Isaiah Thomas era. I remember me playing basketball. Um, Pritchard just can't play defense. And we've talked about this before on offense. If he's not point Pritchard, who's kind of like tearing up another team's second unit, he's just kind of a little lost. And so if Conchar is a bigger body who is perhaps an equivalent shooter or like something like an equivalent shooter, then bring it on. If Pritchard can get hot and go back to being a, a let's use 42%. him elsewhere. If we're going to trade him away, I, I, we could, we could get him for far less than what just probably second round picks in my opinion. But I, I, I do, I, I, I'm vibing on everything else you're saying. I suspect that's not true. I feel like they would have traded Pritchard if they could have gotten something of value for him. I, I mean, think he, he, Peyton Pritchard registered a trade request last season and they didn't honor it. He's, um, uh, why would they? Uh, because he's not a positive player in their system. Yeah. If you're not getting value back for it, I don't really see the point in like making a significant uh, move to accommodate that player, you know. But yeah. um, the, the, Thing about John Conchar, listen, if I'm being totally real about this, John, if the Celtics are trading John for John Conchar, it's for exactly one reason, which is to aggregate his salary in another trade. I do not expect that John Conchar will be a meaningful player for this team, really in any capacity. And so if that's the route that they're taking, I would fully expect that John Conchar will be acquired, aggregated with your Peyton Pritchard here, your O'Shea Brissett there to try and fill out one more slot at the end of the bench. But um, from a roster standpoint, trading for another guard, particularly one that is in Conchar's case, I think good at some things, but really fairly limited overall as a player. doesn't make a lot of sense when, for example, you have a perfectly good Svi Mikhailik just sitting on the bench that will give you almost exactly the same thing. Um, the reason that Celtics would be trading for him is his salary. Uh, I don't think Sweet could play defense very well either. I, th- I uh, think, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying John Contra is like a world beater, but I actually don't think that the Celtics have that much going on at the bench. And it's true. I, don't, I think shuffling the deck might be as valuable as just finding out in the postseason that you can't play eight or nine deep. Anyways. But. I think that if they do make a trade that there are much better options available, which we should talk about. Well, the consensus right now from uh, other reporting outlets like Bleacher Report and The Athletic is that the Celtics want to bolster their front court with respect to Luke Cornett, who logged four blocks tonight in 17 minutes. Um, there are not that many names that reasonably make sense for the Boston Celtics. The Alex, to your point, unless they bring in more salary to then turn around and trade out with that Grant Williams TPE, which they could, but it gets complicated. They're kind of limited with who they financially could target to say nothing of like who might actually be available. So Dr. Quinn, I'll go back to you because I know you ran this thought experiment pretty hard. Why don't you just tell us your names on your list and we'll go through them in order. Sure. So I will, 
start with the least likely, I think, and move to what I would think would be the most likely uh, in terms of both fit and availability. But all of these you know, three different players that I came up with are players, I think, that will need certain things to go Boston's way and very well may not. So don't get too excited. Precious Achua is in the final year of his contract with the Toronto Raptors. There is a possibility they're not going to extend him because they have not extended him yet. And it's unclear in what direction at any level that franchise is going to end up going. So there is a chance that they are going to be open to trading him, but I don't think it's going to be cheap. And Alex thinks it's going to be even less cheap. Yeah. You know, I think that um, I, in looking at the names that are on, on your list, uh, JQ, you know, I think um Precious stands out to me as a guy who um, will be very expensive, particularly because Toronto and Masai Ujiri have consistently asked for way too much for rotation guys. Like, um, you know, OG Ananobi, the rumors that he was, that Masai was looking for three first round picks last year for OG Ananobi, just a testament to the fact that I think this guy has a reputation for asking for the moon and everything in between for um, players that really kind of don't warrant that all that much. Um, so I would fully expect that Precious is pretty off the table for Boston, barring Masai having a pretty sudden change of heart. There are a couple other um, candidates on your list that I think are a little bit more likely and a little bit more gettable. Um, Precious would probably be the least gettable of those dudes. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I do think it's worth remembering that at the draft, Boston took a first-round pick and turned it into five second-round picks and found value in doing so. Maybe there is a world that there is a team that has an extra high-value first-round pick that they would send to Toronto in exchange for Boston's extra second-round picks. I don't see that happening, but if you really are a precious Sachua fan and you want to understand how maybe it could happen, perhaps Boston could convince a team to do something they did uh, this season, but I think the it's yeah. not going to happen. Route is their 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 first round picks. Other than I think the Warriors pick that they still control. Uh, no, they don't even control that. Yeah, they traded that. Yeah, uh, they don't have any good <laughs> first round picks. So uh, it's going to take multiple. I think they would probably ask for something like three <laughs> of Boston's first round picks, which would have to be in the form of a swap in at least one of them because of the way that they traded them away. So it's very unlikely. Zach Collins of the San Antonio Spurs is also in the last year of his deal. Not the greatest or healthiest player. I mean, we would have the ricketyest front court rotation maybe mm -hmm. in the entire league if they did bring him on. He makes a little bit more money, but he's attainable. Uh, but, Alex? Yeah, I don't know, man. I am a huge Zach Collins hater and kind of have been for a while now. He, he can't stay healthy. Um, he's a big, like good stats bad team guy except that his stats aren't even that good his shooting percentage is abysmal i just have never really seen it with zach collins and um 
to me, he doesn't strike me as a player that would be a meaningful contributor on a team where he's not getting way more shots a game than he probably deserves. So um, if we're getting Zach, Call- Zach Collins, I would really hope it's just as a salary. I don't expect him to be a rotation player for a playoff team. And that really Wait. speaks to the dearth of the players who are available out there. Sorry, Cam. Uh, is Dwight Powell playing a lot of minutes for Dallas right now? He's playing a lot of important minutes for them, if not a lot of minutes. So I don't think he would be available. I know he's he's your favorite. Yeah, uh, I just he only makes four million dollars. It's absurd. Derek Lively yeah. has definitely seized the starting center spot, but I think Powell still gives them good run. Yeah, I have even more of a reason to root against the Mavericks. Okay, well, Doctor Quinn, you do have a name in your list. That uh, shout out to our guy Bobby Kravitsky, who is starting his own Celtics podcast called Talk and Seas that you should check out. Um, he and I talked about this player on Friday night. So great minds think alike. Dr. Quinn, who is this mystery player that we both think the Celtics should consider? Dario Saric. What a reveal. State Warriors <laughs> who are not doing very well and may not want to uh, hoard assets for a failed run of the title that unless things turn around for them in a hurry, they might start selling off some non-key assets of which I think I would include Saric as one of. There may be a bit of a bidding war, but, you know, for those of you who want to bring back Daniel Tice, uh, should the Clippers go? Can't happen. Can't be traded unless he's bought out again because he signed so late in the season. Yeah, I like the Sarge thing a lot. I mean, the Celtics don't particularly use their vertical threat in Luke Cornett uh, or even Keita. I mean, they could, but they just don't really have like a, a pick and lob thrower the way that the, you know, the Warriors happen to have on their bench. So... Stylistically, a Sarge for Luke trade straight up. It feels very like something you'd execute on 2K and not really think about like logistically how it would work. But I think financially it's doable. And again, if Boston's not going to use Luke in that way and Luke's not going to become a great shooter or like a a guy who moves well off ball, Sarge is just like a little faster and more dynamic. Um, I would hate to see Luke go and I would actually like to see them use his vertical threat a little more. But I actually, I just think that like the fit works for both teams. It's a very unsexy trade that like on the margins makes more sense. Um, there's no reporting anchoring this, just to be clear. Justin and I both arrived at this in part, and this is a good bow we can put on this conversation is it's fun to daydream about trades, but like the Boston Celtics are just not that team right now. They have played most of their cards. The chips are in the table. The reason that we're not gonna be able to gush about trades is because, oh yeah, they just, Traded for Chris Epps, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday. Uh, anything we missed on that conversation, or did I pour enough water on it? Yeah. All right, congratulations. Keep it moving. Congratulations, Peyton Pritchard. You now play for probably the Utah Jazz, if we're being honest. Okay, a few more things of news, then we'll do the lab. Um, Steve Polpet previously reported that the Celtics had asked about putting some parquet on their in-season tournament court, which is just a style of layering wood so that like crisscross applesauce look that the Celtics have is what we call parquet um and that design was not allowed on the in-season tournament courts and Wick has confirmed that the owner or the governor of the Celtics I feel vindicated that the in-season tournament stinks and that the courts stink to watch the Celtics lose a crappy game it's great that was the most enjoyable loss I've seen in a long time yeah because Tyrese Halliburton is sick not because the court or the Oh, the court's terrible. 
burn the courts. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, I bet that would it would be like toxic to burn the courts because they're probably made of plastic. Okay, uh, and the last thing of news that I think we have on our list, unless I miss something, is that Kristaps Porzingis could return soon. Um, he has a calf strain, which, you know, it, I don't think it's related to his plantar fasciitis, but you never know. Sometimes this thing gets banged up and then that thing gets overworked. It's still early in the season. I don't think any of us are feeling concerned about Porzingis's health. Except we, Alex, to your point, now we know what the Celtics look like without Porzingis, and it's not as good as they look with Porzingis. Anything I missed on that point? Great, Porzingis, hurry back, or actually don't, actually don't hurry back. Um, yeah, heal up, hurry back. heal up correctly, and then return when the time is right. Has that? Speaking of which, the Celtics' next game will be Friday at home. They will play the loser of Knicks in season tournament and Bucks in-season tournament quarterfinals game that happens Tuesday night. So many of you will know who the Celtics are playing on Friday. It's just a regular season game. It's not a consultation game. It's not an NIT game. It's just a game. The Celtics are out of the in-season tournament. Okay. Now we're going to hop into the Celtics lab, and we're going to digest the game that we just saw a little bit more, and we're going to digest the in-season tournament a little bit more. But for those of you who are living way into the future, uh, have fun talking to your friends about John Conchar trades. <laughs> Otherwise, let's talk about this in-season tournament game. My biggest takeaway, and I already talked about this, is Halliburton. The Celtics played like Boopy, and we've seen them play like Boopy, and we can talk about why they played like Boopy. But Halliburton, first of all, uh, first career triple-double looked great, especially in the second half when they needed it. But he was getting bullied in the second quarter. And for him to kind of take it on the chin a little bit from Tatum in that second quarter and then turn around and just completely take control of the game was tremendous for me. So also he was sick. He almost didn't play. So my biggest takeaway from this game was to Halliburton, but Alex, what were your big takeaways or some of your big takeaways from this game? Yeah. I mean, the, the obvious one got to start with Tyrese, you know, he's playing at an exceptional level. I think right now he's the best guard in the Eastern conference and, should certainly make an all NBA team. Um, he's that good. And as long as he's that good, this Pacers team is for real. Um, my second takeaway is that I think the Pacers have a lot of guys that can impact the game at a high level. And I think that this team is almost certainly going to be a playoff team in the Eastern conference. And one that I think is going to be a pretty feisty, tough out. They are not messing around. You know, I think uh, Ben Matherin, uh, Andrew Nemhart, Buddy Heald, they have a really dynamic guard rotation with a lot of offensive firepower. Listen, Miles Turner has been in trade rumors for an eternity, but that dude just keeps chugging along. He's a quality big man. Uh, he can shoot. He can protect the rim a little bit. Um, I don't think he's any great shakes, but he's rock solid in what you need from the center position. Uh, and the big story that I think people have not been talking about that much with this Pacers team, uh, but maybe Celtics fans might have noticed, is that, guys, Aaron Neesmith has emerged into a quality NBA rotation player. Um, Justin, I want to tip hat to you. You were right on this. I was wrong. I was firmly out on the Aaron Neesmith experience towards the end of his tenure in Boston. Um, I was ecstatic when he was traded for Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and Aaron Neesmith is now better than Malcolm Brogdon, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, at least for the kind of what you're looking for out of this Pacers team. Like 
their wing rotation, what like he's doing more for them than Malcolm Brogdon was doing in terms of what this team currently is. He's kind of a dog. Um, he's developed a, I think, more complete offensive game. He's not just the guy who stands in the corner and chucks anymore. He's driving to the basket. Um, and I think he's having a nice, promising start here in Indy. Now, I think, you know, he's still got uh, some flaws in his game. He was definitely getting tossed around a little bit by Jason Tatum, um, which a lot of players are. But he's been great. And um, I think in general, it's just a testament to kind of how well Rick Carlisle and his staff have developed this young Pacers team. They have a lot of guys with a lot of promise that are really starting to blossom. And this team isn't going anywhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I'm actually really happy, uh, if you can say happy, to see that if the Celtics had to lose, that really the final dagger was that dunk from him at the end of the game. And honestly, amazing things happen when you know that you can play and not get set, sent to the bench, the first group that you make. Uh, he's kind of the anti-Brogdon uh, in other ways in that he continues to throw himself around with a bandit and just never seems to get hurt for very long. I think that was only that one time where he was out with significant time with the Celtics for being Crash, uh, as his nickname had become with Boston. The, the development of Neesmith never would have happened with the Celtics, though, to be clear. Uh, he had to get traded somewhere or he would have been the next uh, friend of the pod, J.R. Giddens. Uh, not getting developed and seeing his career wither away on the vine before it has a chance to grow. So I'm really happy, honestly, that he got traded to Indiana, even if it really sucked for Boston tonight. Yeah, I, I guess my two thoughts are, first of all, no, Malcolm Brogdon's a better basketball player. Um, and second... As a whole, yes. Uh, As a whole. Situation's important. I mean, whatever. You can look at the stats yourself. It's abundantly clear. Um I also think that this is why I don't think like revisionist history drafts and shit like that make intellectual sense because Justin, to your point, if Neesmith ends up on a different team, maybe his career looks different because he has a different opportunity. I mean, getting drafted at a certain place means having a certain amount of minutes, certain types of coaching. I mean, Aaron Neesmith is a great player for uh, Rick Carlisle's system, which can I change gears slightly as a weird aside? I have two questions. First, when is the first round of all-star voting come out after Christmas? Because no no yeah, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton starting guard in the East, uh, like t- him and Dame probably. Like I, I can't really but think of Tyrese is a lock. He has to be the starting point guard. Well, unless it's unless it's Tyrese Maxey because of fan voting and bigger market bias. With all due respect to Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton is the best guard in the Eastern Conference. I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that, that that's not how all-star voting works. Yeah, Kyrie Irving and Zaza Pachulia would start every year if, if the fans had their way. Um, second, today I was thinking in my drive to work, is it interesting to come up with who the all-star teams for coaches would be in the East and West, or is that a boring thing? 
I'm like sincere, sincerely wondering if that's like worth taking more than two minutes out of my day to think about. So, I mean, isn't it the case that it's almost always the guy with the best record, unless that guy was the coach? Last no, 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 year? no, no. I mean, if the players, if the coaches played. Oh, if the coach. Mm, like if you had to draft an all-star team for the East and the West. That's to be more like a, a, a three on three league though. Cause I, I mean, that would, it would get, I mean, you have one team from each conference basically. Yeah. So. I mean, if but, that were the case, then Eric Spolstra should be the East all-star coach every single year. <laughs> no, they're not the coach. They're playing. I'm saying they're playing. The coaches play. Uh-huh. Like it would be Missoula at the point and Jamal Mosley oh, at the power Oh, I see and, what you're saying. Yeah. Is this, well, a, is this an interesting thing? Like, should I make an article or something? It's all just do, guys who would play. Do a, do a thought experiment. See where it ends up. I, I think it could be interesting. The West is better, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's got, way more, there's way more player coaches. And Kerr and, yeah. Yep. Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah. But, the yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about it because of the Udoka the Udoka, um, LeBron spat, and oh I was boy. reminded how just not our problem, st- not our problem. Um, but Udoka's <laughs> big, and maybe he'll make the coach All Star game someday. Okay, anyways, back to in season tournament. I think Justin, it's your turn to offer a takeaway from this game or from the tournament itself. Uh, I will just say that the people who have been suggesting that they get rid of point differential or make it less important have completely lost the plot with regards to the in-season tournament because it is the thing that made everything before now actually interesting and yeah some people's feelings got hurt because it's weird and it's new but it won't be as soon as next year as soon as really now honestly people are starting to become used to it and it's made a lot of games which would have been incredibly boring, really interesting. So no, let's not get rid of point differential. Yeah, I, I'm willing to eat crow uh, vis-a-vis my little rant last podcast. I, Based on conversations I had with colleagues today, I still wonder if it the inside in-season in tournament still feels like an inside joke for NBA fans and casual fans feel alienated like uh, anecdotally talking to casual NBA fans they have no idea what it is or why it matters and I I don't know it depends like I I think I maybe used this terminology last podcast but like if they're trying to widen the sales funnel and bring in more people to the game of basketball with this I don't think it's successful if it's to capture already existing NBA fans and like sell them more on a November game then it's probably successful so I'm curious uh I mean, look, we've been talking about these courts for a month, so that's something. But I am curious about that because the point differential thing in soccer is easy enough to understand because they only score like once or twice. But like on Tuesday when Boston had to win by 23 and Brooklyn needed to win, but the difference between the Celtics victory and the Nets victory had to be more than nine points is exciting to us. but, But like, let's face it, we're big dorks. Look at us go. If you're a casual fan who like, reads headlines in the newspaper. I don't know if that registers. I don't know. I, I, I'm curious. It made me check. And you know what? I would not have been looking at those games. So even if that's the only thing that it did, it boosted ratings, it boosted engagement. I think you're but right that the, the, the increasing the funnel thing, it's not doing that. It's just not. And we can get rid of the courts for that reason because it's not, like they're just like, 
confused. And eventually they'll be less confused and we'll be even less confused than they are as non-casual fans. But in terms of bringing in new people, I think it still needs a couple more seasons even before it really starts to do that. Well, and to that point, just really quickly, you know, I think the reality is that the NBA is not exactly hurting for bringing in new people. In fact, they've consistently been able to grow their audience share year after year. The issue with the NBA is retaining people and getting them to care about meaningless regular season games. The playoffs, it seems like every year, more and more people seem to be watching. So I don't think that the NBA is really hurting for that. And if anything, knowing that the new TV deal is on the horizon and knowing that an inevitable expansion of the league is going to come with that. I don't think the NBA is necessarily all that worried about the prospect of growth. I think they're factoring that in as kind of an inevitability. I think what they're working on is trying to make the regular season product more interesting and better. And to that end, I think it's pretty hard to argue that the in-season tournament hasn't been a success for that reason, at least from where the NBA is sitting. If they can get people to care about the regular season even a little bit more than they do, that's a clear win for them. I have a, I have a different stance I'll take that I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but it's, it's something that I uh, am curious about, uh, perhaps rhetorically anyways. Um, if so many of these teams are about to lose their regular television broadcast partners because Bali Sports is about to go belly up. A bunch of them are about to go belly up. And teams like Utah and Phoenix now need to sell fans on using their proprietary streaming service and I assume paying for it. I don't, I actually don't know. I actually do wonder if a, a weird, quirky thing isn't what gets people to download this new product. Uh, like, I, I actually, Alex, I, I am curious if the television situation is less secure than we realize and no one oh, no, it's quite it. secure there's lots of people amazon is dying to buy no 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 no, no. i know that i know okay. well so yes that is true for national tv broadcasts tnt and or whatever max or whatever the it's an opportunity to put ads in. in front of eyes they, they want to do it but so okay i i agree with national broadcasters amazon will do it or netflix or someone will do it I am curious. No, not even just just regular season games there's there's tons and tons and tons of interest there's they, it's not a question of if it's a question of how, who's going to pay the most. And uh, honestly, if anything, as an, as an aside, I'm worried about the bifurcation of seeing a lot of these games and like, will we still have access to league pass? Uh, That's, what I mean. to start, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that could get ugly. So, and so it's not entirely clear to me that it's going to be gangbusters in terms of money, because if suddenly there's not like a regular television product for local fans and suddenly league pass is not the same product i actually do think that there could be a, a decade of growing pains where access yeah. to this stuff is ugly and such, such and, and again this is a thought experiment i don't know that uh, i'm right about this but I, i'm open to the suggestion that the waters are much murkier than consensus because if screw that up then yeah i think that that would be one of the things about local games is even if you didn't have cable, you, like in at least in our market, that you'd always be able to turn on the TV and at worst turn on the radio and hear something. Or it's on if the, that doesn't it's continue on a, at a bar or something. It's at a, yeah. a restaurant. So I, I'm curious. I just in thinking about 
we're the NBA and we're going to the moon and we're going to Vegas and everyone loves everything we do. And they love our in-season tournament and our courts. And we're going to do new courts next season and another new court that season after that, uh, there's a world where they kind of lose the narrative and, and the, Justin, to your point, just like being a consistent, reliable part of people's daily life uh, disappears. And suddenly they're just for TikTok highlights and stuff. I don't know. Anyways, this is an off season podcast, but um, back to the game itself, the Celtics played like poopy, like I said before. Um, anything new about how they played like poopy or it's the same ghosts and we just got to keep an eye on it? I will say, since everyone really likes to jump all over Missoula for his timeouts, they had two very well-timed timeouts in this game that really stopped some bleeding that could have let the game get out of control a lot sooner <laughs> than it did. Uh, maybe the late game management on everyone's part, could use a little bit more work, but you asked for something new, and that is not new. Sure. Honestly, I mean, the Celtics really lost this game in the span of one minute. They were very much in it until the end when uh, the Jalen Brown um, foul on the Tyrese Halliburton three uh, for the four-point play really led to just a cascade of terribleness from every facet of the game. Um, their offensive execution was okay they just they missed a lot of threes and really the story of this game is that uh the Pacers shot over 40 percent from deep and the Celtics shot under 30 and it is almost impossible to win in the modern NBA when you do that now part of that is because Boston turned the ball over a lot 18 times to six yeah 17 just just for clarity it's 17 Justin oh so I just had a panic attack reading your notes Boston turned the ball over a lot, which led to a lot of run out threes for the Pacers. And that definitely slighted that differential a lot. Um, I think the theme of this game more than anything is that Boston's offensive process without Porzingis still feels completely rushed and they turn the ball over way more than they probably should. Um, As much as we have been harping on Jalen Brown's decision-making, Jason Tatum's decision-making and Drew Holiday's decision-making were both really bad tonight in key stretches um drew holiday i i just want to spend a moment on drew holiday i think is an excellent defender in a lot of respects and he's very much shown that in boston particularly as well his rebounding jumps off the page but as a pure point guard and as a decision maker a lot of the concerns that we talked about in the offseason drew holiday has not really answered those yet he's still very much getting comfortable with this team I think we have to have the jury kind of still out on him until like later in the season. He's in a brand new situation with a bunch of new guys around him. He's still learning all of this. But at the same time, Drew Holiday, if if the Celtics want to really like win the title, Drew Holiday is going to have to be a lot more careful with the ball than he has been up to this point. Yeah, I'm happy that you made mention of the fact that Tatum also was stinky. I think quickly it's becoming the case that the lazy easy take is Jalen Brown he wasn't very good and he's had games where he's not been very good but the honestly JB was pretty solid tonight I thought no yeah, that's at all too. yeah uh he, he wasn't great in the first half I mean the four the, point foul the four point yeah, play was, kind of yeah, that was bad, bad but, but, but I mean that, that stuff happens in the course of a game it just happened at the worst possible time yeah, I guess, Alex, I, I will, I'll close by agreeing with you. And so far as uh, Holiday really just had to be a point guard to the service of Giannis Attentacumpo. He went from a very heliocentric situation in 
Milwaukee to now a team where I don't think any of the good players know what to do with themselves. So let's remind ourselves that it is December. (laughs) Let's try this again. December 4th. Let's remind ourselves (laughs) December 4th. And even though we're about a quarter of the way through the season, still a lot more season left to play. And even the good teams get to have growing pains. And I think, although some of the issues here were very familiar, Boston is entitled to lose a few clunkers because they're still ironing things out, just like all the other teams. So if I have just a quick recommendation for Boston on how to use their extended week until Friday, fellas, Maybe instead of taking that extra rest, get a couple practices in. Let's try and iron out some of these issues. Uh, I have the practice schedule in my email. I'll, I'll find out for you if that is going to happen or not. Until then, the Celtics Lab podcast has been brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe if you haven't. In all sincerity, if you're still listening, please do. It makes such a big difference for us. And we will be back next week. And I will personally draft the next and first coach all-star game that there's ever been. How fun. So make sure you like and subscribe for next week's episode. Okay. Uh, Adios. Catch y'all later. Peace.